episode of the Rookie on the Rise. And ladies and gentlemen, it is a beautiful thing when you can get Brad or Eric and I on a podcast, not just one time a week, but two times a week. And damn it, we finally did it. Eric's been bitching at me all day saying, I want to get in the podcast. Send me in the corner. I'll be on mute. I'll be great. Just let me get on more. And we did it. Berkey, how are we doing today, man? We're doing good, dude. I understand the hesitation because the first time I sat in the corner when you and Matt posted, I literally said like, no, it's okay. We can talk about whatever. I'm on mute, baby. It's fine. And we had a little mini conversation while you were talking. I couldn't hear any of it. Um, so I get it. I get it, but I'm happy to be here. Uh, it is Thursday. It's going to drop on Friday. And uh, we got a lot to talk about. We just did a rookie mock, man. Do you yeah. really think that you can have Eric sitting in the corner of the pod and him not call you an idiot in the middle of the podcast? I mute myself. It's just, it's just the lure of Eric, right? He's like, <laughs> I'm great. You know who I'm good I am because of- you keep calling me Eric. Nobody calls me Eric. I'm, but it's the allure of Berkey. It's like you, That's you get, because we listen to you, Eric. You don't, don't like do to be called Berkey. It's just, you <laughs> we are your true nickname. friends. Berkey's a great nickname. Um, it's just you know, Berkey promises constructive feedback, and then in the middle of the podcast, he just goes, "No, I'm good. They can't hear me." Mom, can I get some meatloaf? Come on, I'm hungry. These guys ah, suck. The meatloaf. You almost got nunchucked. You don't even know. You don't even know. <laughs> so get into it, dude. I, have you guys ever, you guys have been to Disneyland and Disney World before, right? No. And there's always these just horror stories of walking around Disneyland and or world and just seeing these moms and dads that are just like three minutes away from just stepping into the lake and never getting out of it. Have you ever been like, what is your Disneyland or Disney World horror story? The whole thing. <laughs> like... We we went the weekend of July 4th. It was miserably fucking hot. And I, when I say miserably, it doesn't even... The, the gates of hell didn't even <laughs> touch how hot it was down there. It was ridiculous, number one. Number two, my daughter was four. She was having a blast getting her little autograph book signed and riding rides. It was a great time. Here's my horror story, though. So we're waiting in line to have Cinderella, um, Snow White, and Belle sign her little autograph book. And it was in a building. So we're waiting in line. And, you know, we finally get into the building part of the line and we're winding around or whatever. Well, we're about two lanes from being the next in line. And I see the side door open. And this lady comes in, lifts the chain and says, here you go, boys, just get in line right here like in front of the probably three or four couples in front of me. I was like, I looked at my wife. It's like, Nope, that shit ain't going to fly. I was like, no, you get your ass in the back of the fucking line. Like everybody else was <laughs> what makes you fucking special. And she's like, we got places to be and things to do. I was like, you don't fucking think everybody does <laughs> like get the fuck <laughs> out of here with that. So me being the douche that I am, i fucking like snap my fingers to get one of the security guys over and i was like this lady's cutting everybody in line right now and he's like ma'am is that true she's like yeah we're trying to get to another place in time he's like no that's not allowed and kicks her out i'm like yeah get the fuck out of here like 
I'm sure I didn't drop. I'm sure I didn't say fuck to her and all that. Or maybe I did. Who knows? Because I was livid because my four-year-old's been waiting in line whining to get autographs. And this idiot thinks she can just come (laughs) in and put everybody in front of us. So That's why I love America. Yeah, I was. Yeah. So my we've been talking about taking the kids again uh, because my son hasn't been yet. But uh, I just, I hated, I hated it. It was awful. People are rude. They're bumping into you and, and crossing in front. Like there's no regard for any etiquette at that place. So, and they just raised the prices again. So. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. I got no horror stories. My kids are phenomenal. They just do whatever the hell they want. But if you're anything like me, man, buying beef jerky is offensive. Like it hurts my soul. Like if I feel un-American trying to buy beef jerky. I'm like, this isn't even true. I call it, I call it uh, uh, sore gum. That's what I call it. Sore gum. That's what it is, man. It's whatever the hell they try and put into the meat. That's not even beef jerky. Like if it's not a mountain man walking outside of your favorite bar, trying to sell you what he calls elk, which is probably cat, but it's still delicious. It's not even real jerky. Uh, but the price of a churro, is offensive like it's just rude i'm like how many i'm getting and they're like one I'm like what the fuck is wrong with you like this should be included with the price of a ticket because it's just mean uh it's unkind and you got pluto and goofy in the background laughing at you but they can't talk so they're just pointing at you laughing it's just it's no good but as far as like a kid and a family my kids are just they're going to grow up to be like serial killers because they just don't do anything wrong. Like it's only a matter of time. <laughs> or they're, I got two little girls. They're both going to be like strippers that murder people on, on the weekends. <laughs> oh, and man. Like it's going to happen because they <laughs> don't do anything wrong. They're fucking perfect. Like my, my horror story for the last three weeks or something, my kids have been sick as a dog. None of that mattered. I had to take off a Band-Aid today. It took me like 25 minutes to talk her into letting me take off the Band-Aid. <laughs> Other than that... It's gold over here, dude. Uh, you just wait, Perky. Something tells me you're gonna pay. So maybe, gonna strip, fan, maybe, maybe, maybe not murderous strippers, but you're gonna pay. Yeah. I uh, we went to Disney World two years ago during a hurricane or a tropical storm, and we were walking around all you know. We 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 know storms. We're no we're no strangers. So like Bradley, we were really enduring the sweaty everything. The moment you step out of your your hotel room. And so a st- part of the storm comes and it's just pouring down rain. And we were just walk- me and Bree just walking through it, like, whatever, this is rain, not a big deal. And then all of a sudden, some park guide is like, you guys need to get undercover because X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, this is rain, my friend. We ain't going to die. It's going to be okay. It's fine. Which is kind of like how I felt after this draft. We ain't going to die. It's going to be okay. I mean, it's barely okay, but we're going to be okay, damn it. We're going to put another disclaimer in this intro about when to start getting into the fantasy football stuff. So, uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we, we wanted to bring to you, going through rounds two, two through seven, in a little different style. So, we did a Rookie on the Rise mock draft this evening with nine of friends, acquaintances, strangers, randoms. And so we're going to kind of break down how this Superflex PPR draft went and highlight a couple of players. So first player off the board was Trevor Gorntz, 101. I've already talked about Trevor. Nothing new there. This is where things start to get a little spicy. We have 
a guy that took Jamar Chase 102 in a Superflex. So, gentlemen, that's insane value, right? Like, or excuse me, that's insane, Aliyah. It's an insane reach, right? Well, when you do mocks, I do a lot of mocks. Not everybody's always on the same page. Maybe he thought it was one quarterback. Maybe he thought he was getting the steal of the draft, but uh, that kind of crap happens. But we get through eight, and there's really no surprises. But chase it, too. Yeah, that's rude, man. That's rude. I mean, over Najee, over Travis, over Lance, over Fields, over Zach, over Pitts, to tight end premium. So uh, <laughs> you do you, man. You do you. <laughs> that's exactly right. So, and then after that, you know, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, both both going there. I went Travis Etienne over Najee Harris. I just think Etienne's the better running back right now in the class. Top running back to me personally. Uh, our, our fantasy affair, Garrett, went Najee Harris. And then, Brad, you went Pitts at seven over Wilson. What were you thinking there? I'm, I'm, I'm fading Zach Wilson a little bit right now and I'm sitting at seven and t- we're, we're talking tight end premium. Uh, Kyle Pitts is in probably the most prime landing spot that we could have seen him go to. Uh, I think it was a stupid organizational decision, but from a fantasy football perspective, it's awesome. Uh, so to me right now, I can get quite possibly the best receiving per the the best receiving option in the draft at seven uh, instead of the fourth best running or the fourth best quarterback or the third best running back uh, in some people's eyes, my, my number one, but third best in in the rankings right now. After that Berkey or excuse me, Matt, Maddie daddy took Zach Wilson at eight, which is probably as about as low as he's ever going to go. And then Berkey went Javonta Williams at nine. Over a couple other guys, what, what were you? What were you thinking there? Was that a scarcity decision for you? No, I think he's the best option. We all get to pick our spots. I picked the nine spot. I think every draft starts after the nine spot. I mean, you're in and you're on. I just put out a new article for www.fffair.com where I talk about how the rule of thirds and how it goes in threes, and and I've got a lot of rules that I follow, and I've been fairly successful from a bankroll management standpoint. And I think nine is the cutoff, so I took nine. You take who falls, so. I took Javonta Williams out of uh, got drafted by Denver. We know that uh, Melvin Gordon's there, but he'll be 29 at the season starts. We know that there's about 100, 100 there's 118 uh, vacated rushing attempts from Philip Lindsay leaving. So at, at with an aging running back in front of him, the guy was 20 until he got drafted. Now he's 21. He's pretty much 21 in a day. I mean, he's he's crazy young. He's crazy talented. He's as safe as it gets as far as the volume standpoint. And I took him over Mac Jones. Bateman, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle. I think he's the last value play here. Mac Jones is interesting because he's a quarterback. And he went to New England, which is theoretically a good landing spot because they're successful. But we play fantasy football, and they got a solid defense. They always do, though it may age out. We'll see. He doesn't really have pass-catching options. So I think Devonta Williams is a surefire. He's going to produce this year. He's going to raise in value. Yeah, and we, you know, that's it's nice because this is their first running back, our first rookie we're able to talk about. We haven't talked about them on Monday already. And, you know, so, yeah, Javante Williams went to Denver, right? And a, a pick we weren't necessarily anticipating, but they moved up five, six spots to go get him. So, clearly, they saw something they wanted to keep their organization a pseudo-competitive football team. It's one thing that stands out to me substantially is that we wanted a running back in Atlanta. And Atlanta traded out of this spot. Like, if Javante Williams was in Atlanta, I think it'd be a totally – different conversation. I think it would be a smash spot, 
But in Denver, they have a zone run scheme. We know they're going to focus on the run. We know they're going to try to take the ball out of Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke's hands or whoever the hell is the quarterback there. Um, but that really stood out to me that Atlanta moved back and passed on Williams in the early second and apparently is going to roll out Mike Davis. Now they did sign undrafted free agent Javen Hawkins, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point, but that stood out to me from the NFL draft. I couldn't believe they traded out of the spot. And then the guy that I wanted them to take went to Denver. So uh, James the landing spot. And I think he's a smash play. So I think he, he's a value. He's a screaming value. Brad, you've been a little quiet on Javante Williams. He was your running back one coming in pre-draft. Did he, did he stay there post-draft or did someone bump him down? Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm in a rock and a hard place right now because talent wise, I still, he's still my, my RB one this season though. If, if that's what I'm looking at, I, I think Najee Harris has to be the RB one. He's got all of the carries, all of the running back targets. Uh, ETN is going to be splitting with James Robinson. Javonta Williams is going to be splitting with Melvin Gordon. So I, I, to me, it's a smash that Najee Harris should be the first running back off the board because of that, because of that opportunity. And we've talked about how bad their offensive line is and whatnot, but Javonta Williams, uh, you know, 118 carries is enough. And and if he can get 20 to 25 targets, he's going to have some good weeks for you, some flex plays. Uh, So, so I I love, I'm sticking with Javonta Williams. I still think, you know, when we look at ourselves two or three years down the road, he's going to be the best back out of the class. Uh, but uh, from a one-year standpoint right now, I, I, I don't think he has the best uh, output. Okay. I mean, that's very fair. Don't necessarily agree with you, but I think that's what makes this fun, right? Now, up next, we then have Mac Jones going 110, which Berkey already mentioned. You know, it, it is a super, uh, super flex league, so it's nothing too abnormal there. That's probably his ceiling of where he's going to go, quite frankly. And we have Bateman going running or wide receiver two off the board, which I was a little surprised about, quite frankly. Uh, I, I know the guy that took Bateman. He's he's very high on Bateman. So this is a pick in which we saw someone that's still has Bateman as their second wide receiver overall. And so he took him at 111. I don't think I'd endorse that position there, but I think in this spot, it's kind of Bateman territory. Up next, after that was Devonta Smith. We also talked about on Monday. A bunch of these guys, ladies and gentlemen, we're just breezing over real briefly because we really we spent over an hour talking about them Monday. So if you're curious about how we feel about them, please go and check that out because we definitely go very deep there. Then we have Devonta Smith closing out the, t- the first round at 112. 201, Jalen Waddle. And this is where things get kind of interesting like this this early second round it's kind of a a tier of six wide receivers right so you have uh, devonta smith rashad bateman jalen waddle terrace marshall rondale moore elijah moore amari rogers amon ross st brown like a bunch of wide receivers that are kind of fighting and jockeying for position to be upper tier three lower tier two type of guys so when you when you see kind of how this these this tier played out in this specific mock drafts do you guys feel like the values are close to how you would represent them or is there anything that was pointing out to you that was more egregious than others i mean inside the wide receivers i think it's kind of crazy that elijah moore was the last one out of that tier taken people were looking at amon ron rondell moore and terrace marshall over 
uh, Elijah Moore. Now, the narrative you could you could defend is, well, he's he's the fourth guy right now, right behind Corey Davis, behind Denzel Mims, behind Jamison Crowder. Very similar to where, hey, Terrace Marshall may be stepping into that wide receiver three role in Carolina. Rondale Moore may be the wide receiver two in Arizona. So people may be looking at the narrative that way. But to me, Elijah Moore, hands down, is the is the more talented out of those and had the most production. Uh, so I, I I would be a little bit higher on Elijah Moore in that in that tier of wide receivers. Fergie? Yeah, I like I like it. I like it and I hate it. I think Jalen Waddle's the most explosive. So I like him at first. I think Harris Marshall is a prototypical X. I think he's gonna grow into that role. We covered that. Uh, LSU, the connection to Joe Brady, sitting a year or having a less productive year and then growing the year after. I think I like that. Rondell versus Elijah is an interesting debate, man. Off talent, I guess maybe Rondell off opportunity, Stephen and Elijah, and Amon Ra slides right in there. Amon Ra is not as good. Uh, we talk about quarterback play. Kyler Murray's better, but there's more competition. Zach Wilson, we don't really know about. Jared Goff is a fine quarterback, and Amon Ra should play for the Lions. He should. We've got Perriman. We've got Williams. We've got Cephas. We've got Amon Ra. So I think it's a fantastic tier. I have them in a different order, though. But I, I could go anyway. This is the classic spot where you try and trade back and take who's left and get a second next year or, or trade two of these guys for a first next year and let it ride out because I don't think we see any wide receiver ones come out of this group. And if there's one, it's going to be Jalen Waddle just based off of pure explosiveness. Not so much you want your 150 targets. It's not going to get that. You're hoping the guy takes – uh, 100 targets and catches 60 of them and still ends up with 900 yards and 10 touchdowns. Like you're looking for a Kenny Galladay, DK Metcalf type of type of efficiency without the same pedigree. And yeah, they're all going to be third on the team. That's what it looks like at best. Um, so this is the tier. And I think the last guy we should throw in this tier is an honorable mention, even though I think he's clearly the last guy is Amari Rogers uh, because he could be the two out there. And we don't know what's going on with, with Aaron Rodgers, but I assume he's going to come back. He whines a lot. I think he's going to come back. And so Amari Rodgers has an opportunity. But uh, every single one of these guys outside of Amon Ra, there is a one there that should get force-fed targets, right? Maybe you could say Elijah Moore doesn't have one. That's why Bradley and I are so high on him. But I, I think Corey Davis is still going to lead the, lead the team in targets. So this is an interesting tier. I cannot wait to see in the two, two three years after this who comes out and it shows that they were the best. I feel disrespected. Just you and Bradley are high on Elijah Moore. Berkistan, this hurts. This Isn't hurts he soul. like your wide receiver three right now or something like that? I, I He was. I dropped him down because I can't put him there in good faith until Jameson Crowder gets cut. But when Jameson Crowder gets cut, he's going to be my wide receiver three. And I think right now I have him ranked as my wide receiver five. He's my wide receiver five. Um, I, You know, Berkey, you brought up a lot of great points there, right? the likelihood we see a wide receiver, a continual wide receiver one from this class, probably not super likely. In fact, there's uh, it's two fours. Uh, you got Smith, Bateman, Waddle, Marshall, Moore, Moore, uh, a tier of six, more likely than not come training camp in preseason. It'll probably, the tier will probably split in half. So three and three or two and four for me, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot, the, the, the scariest two out of me, uh, out of the scariest two from this tier for me personally, not including a Monra or Amari is Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle, just because I, for Devonta Smith, it's just, 
it's a scary offense to want to be investing into. For Jalen Waddle, I'm just still struggling with projecting where he's going to be. He's got the draft capital, which is fine, but his profile is still incomplete. And it's hard for me to take very little project the very little production he had and to project that as like a top three, top two type of wide receiver currently. As I see him play and as I see him healthy and integrated into the offense, it's going to alleviate. He also has Will Fuller leaving after next year. So that's going to be awesome for him, right? Terrace Marshall, same deal. Probably going to play most of his, most of his uh, first year in the slot and then bump out wide once Robbie, once Robbie Anderson moves on. Rondale Moore, kind of, I would say, is probably coming into one of the most favorable positions because not only are they airing it out more and looking to pass more, he's also really just fighting for air targets with DeAndre Hopkins, which is a beast of a, a air targets. I think he had 29% last year of the, of the total attempts, so just a ridiculous amount. But I like his skill set, and I like what he's able to bring. And Elijah Moore, for me, I think you are going to see his production, kind of a Jarvis Landry-esque type of production. So his production is going to come off of the floor of receptions, right? So he's always going to be a wide receiver too. He's going to have some years in which things just click together where he's able to put the yards and some additional touchdowns and they have maybe a wide receiver one season or two moving forward. So, you know, we have a tier of those six go. Amon Ross St. Brown went ahead of Elijah Moore, which is difficult for me, but I understand the thinking there, right? And plus it's Quinn. So I get where he's going with that. And then up next, we have probably the two most difficult players to find the proper position right now currently, which is Trey Sermon and Michael Carter. So I, I want to challenge you guys. I want to I want you guys to give your best pitch. Uh, Berkey, I'll give you Carter and Brad, I'll take you can take Sermon. I want you to give your best pitch as to why they either running back full or deserves to be ranked running back forward instead of the other. Who wants to go first? While we're th- while we're thinking about it, it's this is interesting thing to watch in your drafts, right? Because that that slew of wide receivers pushed the basically whoever your number four running back is, both of which have the opportunity to see the field early, sitting at two hundred six, two hundred seven. So pay attention to if if you see something like that, move and get them because after these two, it's a cliff, right? It's a cliff from the top three to these two, and then it's a it's a fucking grand Canyon after that, right? Now you're looking at guys who might have some pass catching work or handcuff capabilities, but nobody who's going to see the field. So I'll, I'll start with sermon. Uh, you know, every, everybody talks about you want the running back tied to Kyle Shanahan's offense. That's the kind of go-to, right? They spent third round draft capital on the guy, right? That's, that's solid draft capital in a class that, you know, people were kind of low on Trey Sermon for a while, quite a while, actually, you know. So I, I think you see them come in and get a six-round draft pick in Elijah Mitchell. They've still got Jeff Wilson. They still have Raheem Mostert. Somebody's going to end up going to a practice squad, right? My, maybe they cut Jeff Wilson. Maybe they put Elijah Mitchell on a practice squad. The, the I, I do have a little bit of an issue with him beating out a Raheem Mostert right now. I don't know that he's going to get to see the field early on, but 
after this year. Raheem Mostert, I believe, is an unrestricted free agent. His contract is up if somebody wants to double-check me on that just in case. Um, that way I'm not putting out shitty information. Uh, so the opportunity is there for him to be the lead guy in San Francisco in an offense with a, a rushing quarterback that's just going to open even more lanes for him. So think about it as a two-year plan if you need to, right, to say, hey, when Trey Lance is playing, Raheem Mostert's gone, Trey Sermon is the guy, and whenever the the running back is healthy, they produce in that offense. Yeah, flipping over to Michael Carter here. Uh, I took uh, Williams there at the 109, man. Michael Carter had more rushing yards. He had more receptions. He had far less touchdowns. He's a year older. He led North Carolina at the running back position. And when I look at the Jets, just don't play defense. It's, it's, it's Swiss cheese to the max, man. Uh, and we need those receptions to, to have that floor in PPR leagues. The, the competition for Michael Carter is Tevin Coleman, who's proven he can't be it. Ty Johnson, who couldn't even keep a job in Detroit. And Michael P. Ryan. Uh, couldn't beat out. None of these guys could beat out Frank Gore. I mean, Tevin Coleman was technically in San Francisco. He couldn't beat out Jeff Wilson. So we're looking at Michael Carter could absolutely be the late lead dog in Detroit in the jets. He could be in Detroit too. I don't know. I'm talking up my ass, but for, <laughs> for the New York jets, Michael Carter could lead the team in snaps at the running back positions. We know he has receiving upside, so he can't be game scripted out. We know he can run the ball. Well, cause he led North Carolina. We have Javonta Williams way, way, way above him. You're talking about an RB four. I think Mark Michael Carter is that guy. Now, I've been told this for a long time. I thought I might take Michael Carter over Javonta Williams. This was like three months ago, okay? And it was just that it wasn't so much. I mean, it was instead of because of the, the price, right, the, the draft range. So um, the middle of the third, him or Trey Sermon. Now, San Francisco, whoever is the running back, is probably a one on that week. But Michael Carter could just straight up win the job and be the starting running back for the New York Jets. Uh, he's got the pass casting chops. They don't have real receiving threats that I'm really scared of. I do like Mims. I do like um, Crowder. I do like Elijah Moore, and I do like Corey Davis, but none of them are screaming dominant target share. So Michael Carter could absolutely be RB 15 and up this season. I mean, Naheem Hines, if he got to play every down. So I do like Michael Carter over Trey Sermon, and I'm happy that that's how this shook out, man. I think we're recording this now on a Thursday, so it's possible Carrion Johnson is yet to find a home. If Carrion Johnson somehow finds a home in New York, I don't see that necessarily vulturing into Michael Carter too much. It I may actually compliment him more than anything else, because I think we need Michael Carter to be in a role in which he's not the sole back, right? He just, he doesn't have the size. He doesn't have the athleticism. He doesn't have the necessary intangibles to take a 20 touch workload a, a, a year or a, a game. So adding a Carrion Johnson type back, would help alleviate some of those concerns and help help him a little bit. I, I, I personally am leaning Sturman right now, but these are the two backs that as training camp goes on that you're going to want to really pay attention to because it's going to really help, help you be able to parse out who needs to be ranked above who going into the season. Now, after these two, there's a bit of a surprising pick. It was Dwayne Eskridge, the 54th, I believe, pick overall in the NFL draft, the 56th overall in the NFL draft, to my very deeply saddened Seattle Seahawks. Berkey, you, you like Eskridge a bit more than I anticipated. 24-year wide receiver, five years at Western Michigan University, ran a 4-3-8 pro day, 
So you can adjust that as you wish, you know, had good production, but not great production uh, has receiving a bill or has returning abilities is going to be that number three role for Seattle now. And when Tyler Lockett leaves in the next two or three years could potentially walk into that number two role. Do you feel like this was a little bit too much of a reach gentlemen? I like a spot. I like a spot. There's one or two guys, maybe three that I'd take over. Um, but he's fantastic. I know he's 24. I know he's 20. We think wide receivers are going to play until they're 30, right? Uh, he goes and gets to play with Russell Wilson. He makes Tyler Lockett, who's not supposed to be able to do it, a, a one at times. Um, they are a run-first offense. Let Russ cook. He's, he's talking about a trade. That could open up. There's always an injury that can open it up. Just say if DK, who had a lot of injury concerns coming out, where Tyler Lockett gets banged up, next thing you know, Dwayne Eskridge is absolutely thrown in your lineup. Um, I know he's 24. I know he's old, and this is a dynasty league, but I just highlighted, I don't know how many years you think they're going to stay on your team. If you think you've got a wide receiver one for the next five years, you're playing the game wrong. Now, this guy is a three. He's a, he, or a five with upside. He's that electric big play kind of guy. He played at Western Michigan. Western Michigan put out Greg Jennings, who, who is a fantastic pro. They put out Corey Davis, who was the number five overall pick, um, who we are talking about on the Jets, going to have a nice role. I think Dwayne Eskridge getting slept on a little bit. I do think this is a bit of a reach. Um, Amari Rogers, I would have taken over him. Duwami Brown is a conversation. And then as a sleeper pick, it's that running back out of Louisville, Javian Hawkins. But I don't hate it. I don't hate it. When you get past Michael Carter at the 207, I don't really give a damn about the rest of these guys. Like, we're talking about handcuffs at, the, at any position, wide receiver, running back, tight end. You're hoping for an injury, or you're drafting a quarterback, hoping to wait a year or two, and somehow they don't address the situation, um, with the exception of one tight end, which I know Britt is very high on, and I'm coming around on. Yeah, so I think – the issue for me is that he went above Amari Rogers. And yeah. let me let me really quickly break down why I'm really high on Amari Rogers, right? So in my third tier, it's it's Amon Ra, it's Eskridge, or excuse me, it's Rogers and it's Nico Collins for the, the wide receivers. After they're gone, I'm and I need a wide receiver, I'm just punting my pick down the road, trading back and do what I need to do because I don't want like the Tonys or the Eskridges where I would have to get them. So Amari Rogers has two scenarios and I'll talk about the similar scenario to Nico Collins. He's going to either play with Jordan Love or Aaron Rodgers. With Aaron Rodgers, he's going to get that bump in just greatness, right? And he's also going to be seeing medium coverage with Devonta Adams. So he's 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 going to have a role in that offense. He's good out the backfield. He's going to be dynamic and used in a bunch of different utilized ways. And he's not a bad run or wide receiver. So he could be playing with, with uh, Aaron Rodgers. And if Aaron Rodgers leaves, if he retires, if he gets traded, something happens, then he's going to be that, that short A dot guy for Jordan Love. And in PPR leagues, he's going to be good. And the nice thing about Amari Rodgers is that when he gets the ball in his hands, he's dangerous. He's not just going to fall down and beat Mike Evans. He's going to take the ball. He's going to have around eight, six to eight yards of yak after the catch. And so I like him where you're getting him because I think right now you're, it's a, it, there is a possibility in a couple years you look back and you just think, wow, I can't believe I got Amari Rogers at 209 in my rookie drafts, similar to Terry McLaurin a couple years ago. Wow. I can't believe I got Terry mid second. Do I think Amari has the ceiling of Terry? No, but I think he's going to have that. He has a potential to make that sort of impact on your fantasy team. 
Bradley, am I crazy? No, I'd, I would I would agree with that. I would definitely not be taking Estridge at, Estridge at 208. Um, there's a few players I'd probably look at taking above him, but he's definitely gone by 212. Um, uh, you know, uh, that's just my opinion. I, I, you know, I think Eric was talking about just kind of swapping these two guys, right? Just one pick different. Uh, I think there's a running back out there that you should keep your eye on, right? In Philadelphia, uh, with Kenneth Gainwell and the pass catching receiving chops that he's going to bring to that, that team, he's going to get some immediate playing time, uh, over Miles Sanders. Cause that's not really his, his strong suit. So, uh, I'd go Kenneth Gainwell over Dwayne Eskridge, you know, to the point that he's the third option and how, you know, how much did you want Russell Wilson's third option in other games uh, in previous years? Did you want to put David Moore in your lineup any week? If you I, don't I, think that Dwayne Eskridge shits out David Moore for breakfast, I, <laughs> I don't want to talk to you about this anymore. Like it's not uh, the same. This guy's very talented. Uh, senior bowl standouts, seem to produce in the NFL. I know he's 24, so he's older than everybody, and everything's set up for him to succeed. But when I watched his tape at the Senior Bowl, he absolutely owned people. He owns them in the route when the ball's off coverage. He goes and gets it. Whatever. Shake your head. I, get, I just said everything's set up for him to succeed, and he's older. <laughs> but then he shows it. He's got lightning speed, and again, he's got Russell fucking Wilson. So if he does get open, like David Moore made some big plays, if he can get open successfully, consistently out of the slot, or if they move him out wide or they move him in motion – you can see him. This is a best ball player. You can see him have very big games. I mean, he's your wide receiver five with upside. He's that guy that you plug in that you didn't want to, but could, he could win you the week. So would you rather have Eskridge or Tony or Palmer or Diami? I guess that's a conversation for whatever reason, this guy over here is really high on Nico Collins, but he's right Nico. there in that. He's right there in that range. Yep. That's fair. That's fair. Up next after those two, we have Kenneth Gainwell at uh, 210. As Bradley mentioned a little bit, he's going to have that pass-catching role. We don't know how valuable that is on a Jalen Hurts-led Eagles offense. You know, we, we do know historically rushing quarterbacks often don't check down as much, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Gainwell isn't going to be completely useless. I think this is actually probably the, one of the best spots for Gainwell as an NFL player because I don't think he was what people wanted him or were projecting him to be. I think a spot like this is where he's going to be really able to shine a limited workload, but a workload in which you can kind of scheme him open to utilize his skills to the best of his potential and possibility. Up next is Pat Fryermuth, 211. Penn State tight end, 256 pounds, 5'5", or 6'5". This guy, I, I, I wrote about him on the breakout finder, and – what I was saying then and what I'm going to say now is he had the ability to be at first round draft capital. And that's why I liked him initially because tight ends with first round draft capital have a likelihood of breaking the top 12 of a tight, uh, being a top 12 tight end in fantasy at 40% their second year. I, that's important to me because that gives you a, uh, an early year of return. But Pat Fryermuth, I think had he been in a draft that there is no Kyle Pitts, he would be compared level with TJ Hawkins and, but since Kyle Pitts is such a generational athlete and player all around, people just aren't really taking the time to look deep into Pat Fryermuth because they just see him as, eh. And he, he's just, he, he's a old school tight end. He's an inline tight end. that's going to leak out, do some dirty work in the blocking and then go catch a couple touchdowns. He didn't test. 
So it's difficult to kind of see if that's a fair comparison or not. But that's kind of where I'm personally feeling with Pat at this moment. I like him in tight end premiums because you're going to get him at a discount. And I like the spot at the, at the Pittsburgh Steelers because he's going to have a year or two to kind of grow a little bit behind Eric Ebron. And hopefully he's going to have a quarterback that's going to be able to throw him the ball with a fully intact UCL elbow and perhaps a little less disgusting of a human being. Eric, yeah. you said you were coming around on Pat. What, what makes you kind of bring, come around on him? Yeah, four games. Penn State, four games, 23 receptions this last year in four games. Okay. Eric Ebron's just about out of town. He's got stone hands. Pat Fryermuth is a fantastic blocker. You talked about TJ. I love that. I love that. He's not as good, but it's, it's right. It's, it's not that big of a difference. It's not a colossal. It's not the Grand Canyon kind of dip. Um, and at, at the 211 in a premium, now tight end is not something I'm looking to address. I'm going to go ahead and pay the, pay the, late fee on one of the big guys. I'm going to trade up for one of those big guys, or I'm going to look for a Logan Thomas type or an Irv Smith that somebody's out on or some crap like that. Goddard, or maybe Zach Ertz is probably almost free in your league. Those are the ways I go. But if you're going to draft one at the 211, Pat Fryer with screams, he fits the bill, man. Pittsburgh plays that kind of physical offense where he'll always be on the field. They like to run two tight ends uh, consistently in the red zone. That's why uh, Juju gets so many red zone targets because they, they take the other wide receivers off the board. They take them out. That's why Claypool had all those red zone inside the five because Deontay Johnson isn't on the field. Pat, Pat, Pat Fryermuth will be, um, again, four games, 23 receptions in 2020. That is, that's absurd. That's absurd. I don't care if you play wide receiver or running back or whatever. That's fantastic. He was a featured part of the offense and showed out. So, yes, he did. Um, yeah, he's on, yeah, he's on my draft board now where he wasn't. I don't like the draft tight ends except for Kyle Pitts. And so now I think I'm going to have to. I also think that he was he I think he broke Penn State's tight tight end touchdown record receiving touchdowns uh, his junior year and then he caught like two more before he got injured. So that's what he's coming out as a junior or his okay. Well, he, he I think he broke or tied the record wherever it was, which was previously intact by Gasecki, I believe. Nice. I could be wrong. Bradley Kadarius Tony two twelve. Is this the spot where we can finally say hey? That's a good spot to be taking Kadarius Tony. I think it's close. I, I think it's close. I'd probably uh, lean towards taking Nico Collins over him. Um, but after that, it really gets a little hairy. So I think that's an that's an okay spot for him. Um, you got to believe that they're going to find a way to utilize him to help Daniel Jones. Right? Um, he's he's going to be that underneath guy, I think for them. Right. And I think he can get open quickly. They can get the ball out of Daniel Jones's hands quickly on a bubble screen to Kadarius, Tony, he's going to get some kind of designed plays for him. And if he can break some of those loose, then he's going to earn more and more and more playing time. And who knows? I think the odd man out could potentially be Darius Slayton out of the, out of the group of them. Not even not Sterling Shepard, obviously not Kenny Galladay who they just brought in, but I think Darius Slayton could potentially start to lose some snaps. I think the team has started to lose a little bit of faith in him because he can't stay healthy. His production dips significantly after his, his pretty solid rookie season. Uh, so Tony, uh, if people, I'm not going to argue with people if they want to take him before Dwayne Eskridge or Amari Rogers, right? Because he's first round draft cap. Like 
I, you know, you got to think he's going to get some opportunity. So uh, I'm totally fine with him at 212 and maybe even a little bit earlier. Okay. This, so that was the, that was the second round. Third round, we were kind of getting into, you know, strictly dart throws. We we're going to start looking to kind of trade back into the next year, maybe see if you can get a low end, high upside veteran to stack on that. And, but when it comes to the, the, the two, First picks in the third round. I, I was surprised they were still available here. Personally, uh, I think they're more of a late second than a early third type. But Diami Brown and Nico Collins, I feel like they are in that third tier of wide receiver. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong off here, but they still have value. You you, you have to kind of riddle a tale to talk about them achieving their upside. But there's, are they going to be valuable players on your fantasy team? Or are they just going to kind of only give you the bare minimum when it comes to anything else? I think Nico's giving you value. I, I, I mean, opportunity is king, really. And, <laughs> I mean, he's going to end up being the alpha there. And, well, he'll be playing the X wide receiver. Maybe he's not the alpha target hog because Brandon Hook Brandon Cooks is obviously going to get the bulk of those. Um, Deami Brown's a little bit tougher for me. Um, I just don't – he's the third option, clearly, right? Curtis Samuel's going to get over 100 targets. Terry McLaurin's getting over 100 targets. Um, that defense is really good. Um, I think Ron Rivera's going to try to pull Ryan Fitzpatrick in a little bit and say, hey, look, you sling the rock, right? But – we're only throwing the ball 20 times a game because we don't need to throw the ball 30 times a game. So I don't think you're going to see 500 attempts coming from Ryan Fitzpatrick where Deami Brown's going to get a ton of targets. They still have a Logan Thomas there. They still have a Jarek McKinnon there. Um, so I think you're going to see two, three targets a game uh, on average for him. And, and at that point, I don't know that he's really serviceable for your team at that point. Yeah. Okay. Eric? Yeah, I'm digging deeper. I'm digging deeper. I think the guy in the third round that I want that's going to be fantasy relevant is Des Fitzpatrick, and I got him over both these guys. He's got the fourth-round draft capital. It's not great, but he's filling in the Corey Davis role. We know John Smith is gone. Derrick Henry's not catching passes. I think Des Fitzpatrick is the sleeper in this in this third round, but if I'm going to tick between Nico and Deami, I think you, you called it out. Nico's got uh, – he's going to get more attempts. They don't play defense in Houston. Um Fuck, I don't know who's throwing him the ball, and I like Des Fitzpatrick, and I know he likes 50-50 ball, and so I'm going to take Deami. I think this is the right order. But I think the steal of the third round, with the sleeper being uh, Palmer, he's the wild card, is Des Fitzpatrick. I think Des Fitzpatrick is a fantastic fit here at the beginning of the third because he's got the opportunity to be on the field. Um, Mr. Uh, Henry is going to be, what, 28 next season? And, and there's just so many vacated targets out there in Tennessee. And if the defense isn't as successful as they have been, because we know the Colts are going to take a step forward. We know the Jaguars are going to take a step forward and Houston is who they are. I think Des Fitzpatrick could have a fantastic year this year and finishes wide receiver 30 or something for a rookie. I don't care what the rookie is. That's a good rookie season. So 800 yards, five touchdowns on 50 catches, I think is very, very doable. Yeah. I mean, much like Deami Brown kind of getting discounted, Des Fitzpatrick it goes, you know, even later than the third round sometimes. I've seen him in the fourth just hanging out 
And he, he's got that upside. He's got to beat Van Jefferson, who's a beginning to take his training wheels off to be a journeyman in the NFL. Des Fitzpatrick plays for Tennessee, and Van Jefferson plays for the Rams. Van Jefferson is going to be the Fucking third wide receiver. He's Josh Reynolds, God damn well, who also played at Louisville. Just, I think that's the second time he's going to play alongside this. A.J. Brown unless Joshua Reynolds holds him off. Son of a bitch. Well, jo- Van Jefferson has his training wheels on. Josh Reynolds is taking his training wheels off. See, I said ways that shit. I know what I'm doing, <laughs> but I, I like that. I so obviously Nico Collins for me best. You 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 have to detach Deshaun Watson from him because he's just he's not going to have Deshaun Watson throwing him the balls. If he does, then that, that is a boost to him. But I just I do not see that as a reality. So Deami Brown and Nico Collins begin the third round. Brevin Jordan, which is the third tight end overall, goes 303, which I think personally is a bit of a reach. I think what we're seeing is people take a name that they're familiar with needing a tight end instead of taking a tight end that's going to be a little better, like the ones taken in the fourth round. Josh Palmer went 304. I mean, we talked a little bit about him in the past couple of episodes. He, he's got something. He's got a very poor body of work in college. But, you know, he, he has the size. He's a decent – he's a kind of a decent athlete. So I'm excited to see where he, he – what he's able to do for the Chargers. Clearly they saw something because they took him over a couple of wide receivers that, quite frankly, left my jaw dropped to the floor. Up like next Tylen is, Wallace? Yeah, exactly. Tylen Wallace, Amon Ross St. Brown, a couple others just had me truly questioning myself. I took Chuba Hubbard 306 here. I passed on Wallace. I passed on Mitchell. I passed on Fitzpatrick. The reason is, is that eventually this is kind of the prime time in which I'm taking my handcuffed running backs, right? I, I like Chuba Hubbard. I liked him in 2019. I think this team fit is fine. I think that this now makes him the running back too immediately on that team. There's no one there that's going to really – not or like push him for for secondary touches after cmc what very little is going to be left over the pie so it really came down to tyron wallace or chuba hubbard and i just see a quicker return of fantasy value from chuba than tyron wallace personally i like tyron wallace he's getting discounted a lot but it's it's going to be hard for him to get a big enough pie of that target share on that baltimore offense with everything that's going on especially with Rashad Bateman there in Hollywood and Mark Andrews. Uh, gentlemen, if you had that decision, Chuba Hubbard, Tylen Wallace, would you be making a similar decision here? Or am I kind of off on my reasoning? I think you're spot on. Mike Davis is out, and if we put Chuba in Atlanta, he would be way, 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 way up this board. Uh, we saw what Mike Davis did there when Chris McCaffrey was injured. And Chris McCaffrey, I mean, running backs get hurt, man. He's a fantastic handcuff and a, and a Joe Brady-led offense. Uh, the wife of Ja Rule, Matt Rule, wanted him on the team, so that's fantastic. And there's a chance that he doesn't play 99.9% of the snaps. The pie is tiny for both of them. I'm going to take the guy that if one injury occurs, he is suddenly smash playing my lineup. So I do like Chubba. But I, I'm with Chubba, and I'm still – Des Fitzpatrick is still screaming to me. I mean, it's the guy that's on the field. But between Chubba and Tylen and Tutu and Elijah and just about everybody else on the board, because we all have our favorites, I think Chubba's a great great pick here yeah i'm a, i'm i'm a, i agree I, I don't have anything to add that is notable 
I mean, that's fair. The up next after Chuba and he's Wallace. cracking himself up. What's going on over there, bro? I don't know. Too many, man. too many little sweethearts. What I the had hell too many chicks, on? ducks, and bunnies. Yeah. After Tutu Atwell, which is uh, the post of Chuba and Tylen Wallace, it's Elijah Mitchell by Maddie Daddy. Um, I love this pick. I like this pick a lot. When I think of sleeper running backs, running backs that aren't getting the recognition that could have recognition later in the year or in their careers, Elijah Mitchell is one of the first names that comes to my head. He's got the speed. He's got the production. He's a little lighter. But on San Francisco, as we all know by now, they're not necessarily known for being the pristine version of health, right? So you want to kind of roster those running backs. And someone said it on a podcast. I think it was one of my guests, but they said, hey, if Jamar or Jamichael Hasty had value for a couple weeks, Elijah Mitchell is going to have value for a couple weeks. And then it's what you do with that when you is what's going to kind of show what type of dynasty owner you are. He's a great player that I'm personally rostering that has a trade value allure later in his career after Mitchell's Fitzpatrick, which Berkey already talked about very well. And then Jalen Darden, Jalen Darden went after Fitzpatrick. Are we targeting Jalen Darden in our rookie drafts at all? Is he kind of off the board for you guys? He's, he's behind. Off my, a... He's off my board. Uh, there's three guys out there that could be ones. Uh, there's three of them. There's Mike Evans, who has had a thousand yards, six straight years. That's a record. It's fucking fantastic. Right. There's, there's Chris Godwin, who might be the best on the team. There's Antonio Brown that I know has the most talent out of the three. Uh, then there is a guy, Tyler Johnson, who's fucking fantastic as a fill in. And Scotty Miller is one of the favorites. So I don't see Jalen Darden fucking playing. You talk about a casualty, the practice squad or just getting cut. I think Jalen Darden fits that bill. This is a very disappointing landing spot for me. Um, because he could have hit my board. But, yeah, right now I'm just straight up not drafting him. When you get into the third, there's a lot of that between the three of us. There are just guys that – my, my draft board is going to be like 30 deep, and some of them are deep dives. But there's just so many people I don't want on my dynasty team, and Jalen Darden is one of them. Bradley, you feel the same way? Yeah, no, I'm not touching him. He has nothing to add that is notable. However, <laughs> he has got plenty of sweethearts. That is correct. <laughs> and don't you forget it. I won't. I'm going to ask for some. After Jalen Darden, Kyle Trask and Davis Mills round out the third round. Is Do we there, think that's the right spot for them? I was going to say, is there a world in which Davis Mills starts an NFL game in 2021? Because people are yes. forgetting that Tilrod Taylor's alive and well in Texans. And as far as I know, I don't think Dr. Lungpopper – traveled to texans as well so i don't see how berkey just fell off his chair i don't see how davis mills locks himself onto an nfl field you've heard of dr j you've heard of dr dre you've heard of dr pepper up next man dr lung popper that is fantastic dude i don't want to talk about any of these guys uh i'm gonna mute myself you guys go get it go get it what good or what benefit does the Houston Texans organization have to play Tyrod Taylor over Davis Mills, who they took in the third round? He has no – Tyrod Taylor has no weapons. What What's he get – do they think they're going to win with him? Why would you not 
you're shaking. You're full of shit. There is no way that you can sit there and tell me in a straight face that you what think the that Tyrod Taylor, yeah, Tyron can Taylor take is that a winning team. quarterback. Well, what happened the last time Tyrod Taylor was a starting quarterback for an entire season? What happened to the Buffalo Bills? What happened? That was literally was like six I mean, years ago. Yeah, but a Dr. Longpop is that what away. we're going to? Is like six happened. years ago? It was like four years ago. Here's the deal. Out of here with that. The Texans that was like are... 2017 or some shit. How the... long ago was 2017? That's not relevant. Bradley One, Stickler? two, three, no, four, because he four, hasn't then... been relevant since he got benched in Cleveland. He got benched in L.A. He's going to get fucking benched in Houston because there's no benefit. They drafted this kid in the third round sometime in the season. He's going to be starting. I'd put money on that motherfucker right now. We're going to do it right now. Brad. Yeah, we're doing it. Let's do it. One bag of sweet tarts. That's your favorite candy, right? That's fine. Yeah, absolutely. My favorite candy no, is no, no. two bags. I'll go Ooh, two bags. Right. I'll That's how confident I am. Three now, taking candy from a baby of dark chocolate raisinettes. I like can do that. Chocolate. Now, I do have <laughs> Three a question. Three boxes of Raisinets against two bags of ducks and bunnies and whatever Chicks, the fuck. Chicks, ducks, and bunnies. <laughs> fucking get it right. <laughs> we have gone on it's so d- far it's going off the rails. Down. It is going down. David so Mills doesn't start a game. So, is there an out if Deshaun Watson No, I don't give plays? a shit. No, I mean, oh, fine. You can have whatever outs you want. You can have an out for that. You can have an out if they win 10 games this season. You can have as many outs as you want. No, David no. Mills won't start a game in the NFL his entire career. How about that? You are fucking Pencil crazy. He is starting Pencil this year. In. He's not starting. Put this shit on the show at the end, at the beginning, wherever. I got to make I, sure I, I can come back to this shit. In the meantime, let me just really quickly throw it out there that Davis Mills has start started, I think, 15 career or 15 college games. Not a lot. He he has not (laughs) topped 2,000 passing yards in his collegiate career during a season. Like He is a very sneaky Konami co-quarterback, but he holds no value in Superflex leagues, and to take him over Kellen Mond. But Josh Palmer does, who's never topped 500 yards receiving. He's played in more than 20 games. (laughs) That's a big difference. He's literally never topped 33 receptions. Do you know who's throwing them the ball? He's got, he's got, he doesn't have an accountant. Somebody better than Davis Mills was throwing the ball. He's got some guy working the deep fryers down at Popeye's. You all are crazy. I'm not not saying that you should take him in the fucking first round or the second round but to say that he's got no chance of starting is cre- that's asinine so ladies and gentlemen what you're hearing here is that davis mills is going to have value so you have to draft him and then you find the bradley in your league and you trade him for whatever it's going to be i don't know what's the conversion rate between i'll give you a third next yeah, year and then when he becomes a starter i'll turn it into a second I don't know what the conversion rate is between sweet tarts and draft picks, but I think two boxes <laughs> of sweet tarts to a third round is pretty pretty similar in the the national currency conversion. <laughs> I, I think Trask. I, I honestly don't think any of these three quarterbacks that are going to be drafted are going to have any fantasy relevance. If there is one, I think it's going to be Kellen Mond. I like Kyle Trask. I like him a lot. I'm not sure the Buccaneers are going to trust their. <laughs> he's taking off his headset i'm not sure the buccaneers are, are gonna trust their franchise to kyle trask i don't love kellen mond but i see a 
avenue of him starting above the three the quickest out of all of them. Oh my, are you fucking serious? You're going to sit here and tell me that fuck. Oh, you know what? Never mind. I'm not even going to entertain that conversation. Never you mind. just did though. No, Here's I'm the done. bottom line. Okay. After Mac Jones, don't draft a quarterback. If you're in a rookie draft, I don't give a damn what the year is. And there's five quarterbacks already drafted. Don't draft one. They're not going to play. Go through from 2000 to 2020 and name one draft class where five quarterbacks or more started. Because I tried to do it. It was a pain in the ass, dude. And the one class I came up with, I thought it was awesome. It turns out Kirk Cousins was drafted as a backup to a guy that was drafted in the same fucking class. So it doesn't happen. If there's five quarterbacks drafted, don't draft another one. They're all shit. They are all shit. You know, Ian Brooke. I like Ian Brooke out of Notre Dame. I think he's a dog. Is he going to start for the Saints? Fuck no. Kellen Mod, is he going to start for Minnesota? No, Kirk Cousins is a professional. Mills, is he going to start for Houston? Maybe because Deshaun Watson might be out of town and Tyrod Taylor apparently gets his lungs popped, but probably not. Okay. And Kyle Trask, is he the heir apparent to Tom Brady? If Kyle Trask is the guy that takes over for Tom Brady, Tampa Bay is fucking up. You're fucking up, man. You need to go sign an old guy. Andy Dalton will be available, right? There'll be Tony Romo will come out of the booth. Someone will be available. So if you get past five quarterbacks in a rookie draft, don't draft one. Just don't do it. Can we move on? We can move on. I think we've exhausted this conversation enough. We're coming into the fourth round now, ladies and gentlemen. After, after the, the trio of quarterbacks, Trask, Mills, and Mond, we have Khalil Herbert taken. He is a running back out of Chicago – or going to Chicago now. He had, you know, older, older running back prospect doesn't hold much value other than a handcuff, which is all we're really talking about here. So let's just kind of skip. We'll, we'll, t- we'll go through the full mock, but let's each of us kind of pinpoint the player that we like in this round that was taken. And then I also want you to pinpoint the player that you think should have been drafted. That wasn't drafted. As you guys are thinking, I'll go over mine. I got Javian Hawkins. Uh, I got Javian Hawkins because, well, I wanted Javian Hawkins because, as we've alluded, Atlanta traded back from the second and avoided Javonta Williams to get an undrafted Javian Hawkins fall right in their lap. Berkey's talked a lot about Javian on this on this podcast before, so you know the deal with him. He is a human play stick. He's a little – he's light. He's very light. But let's be honest. His competition for touches is McDonald's workers and Mike Davis, right? And Javian Hawkins in the fourth round, what you're looking for is upside and he offers upside and he also offers dynamic abilities, which are two things that I want when it comes to trying to find my late round running backs. Now, the running back that wasn't taken here that I think is a straight up tragedy is Jared Dokes, the seventh round pick out of Miami. Now it's not that Miami makes running back like makes running is a running back machine that turns this little play-doh unathletic running back into this incredible version. I just think that Jared Dokes is a great or is a running back that has the ability to succeed in that system. He's 228 pounds, six feet. He ran well, he's got good burst, he's got good acceleration, he is an athlete. And I think when you put him 
compared to Gaskins and Ahmed, I think he is the best athlete out of the three. Tack on that, that he has bell cow size. I think he has a real possibility of taking that job away from Miles Gaskin in the coming years. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't watched any Jared Doak's tape, so I can't speak of how he is as a runner. I don't know his vision. I don't know if he's able to make really solid cuts like I know Miles Gaskins can. But what I do know is from an analytics profile, I like that type of model or profile to target as a deep sleeper. And as you can tell, he went undrafted in this four-round 12-team rookie mock. So he's going to be dirt cheap. Worst case scenario, he's on your, he's off your taxi squad in eight months. Best case scenario, he's got a little, I don't want to use James Robinson because that's never going to happen. Uh, a little insert undrafted free agent rookie that isn't Philip Lindsay or James Robinson that has significance on your team. Berkey, how'd you feel about your draft or no, the, I think, the fourth oh, round? I feel great. Let, let Brad go first. Cause I think he's going to steal my guy and I've got, I've got audibles. If you're anything like me, dude, I like dumpster diving, dude. I like these scrubs all over the place. So Bradley, why don't you go first? Cause I know you, I know you love your last pick. Um, yeah. I'll, I'm, I'm going to go with my, uh, my four point set four Oh seven pick in shy Smith, a uh, wide receiver out of South Carolina uh going just north of south carolina into the carolina panthers uh he's got speed he's got athleticism he's quick uh he can run routes he's got some ridiculous uh hands uh you go and look at some of his highlight reel catches and uh the guy just he could take the ball away from people uh and he did it multiple times this year against legitimate competition uh, uh, you know, Alabama, um, he had an excellent concentration catch for a touchdown in between two defenders in the end zone. Uh, it, he's just a guy that I think has the opportunity to fill the Curtis Samuel role that is now open. Uh, I, I, you know, Terrace Marshall is going to be that red zone guy, right? He's going to fill that role similar to what he did in LSU. But I think those, those catches and those plays that were designed with Curtis Samuel, there's a good chance that those now go to shy Smith. Uh, and if they don't this year, they will next year after Robert, uh, or, um, uh, Robbie Anderson is gone. Uh, and Terrace Mitchell gets the opportunity to move to the outside and shy Smith gets the slot on his own. Uh, so I'm really happy with that pick in the fourth round. Harris Marshall Jr., not Mitchell. Did I say Mitchell? You did. Oh, just, damn it. Just so the people yes. – you're, you're smarter Smart. than that, even though you've got <laughs> sweet tarts or whatever the fuck they're called soured in your brain. Dude, how do you not know what's <laughs> – moving on. Anyway, uh, the guy that I'm thinking about, how did he not get drafted in four rounds of a rookie draft is Jarrett Patterson, uh, uh, running back out of Buffalo – um, got uh, picked up after the draft by the Washington football team. Uh, this guy ran for over a thousand yards every year in college. Um, now, granted, you're looking at at second tier competition. Um, this guy is really, really solid between the tackles. I mean, he's a small guy, five seven, buck ninety five. 
but he's got the ability to run between the tackles. And right now, behind Antonio Gibson, Jerick McKinnon is not really a between-the-tackle guy. He's that third down back. He's that pass-catching back. So there's a chance that Jarek Patterson is going to get some carries just to spell Antonio Gibson, not 5-10 to 10 or anything crazy like that. But he's going to come in. He's going to get a couple carries maybe. And if Antonio Gibson goes down, you've got yourself a handcuff who's got – some serious explosiveness uh, and, and is a very good uh, runner. So, so Jarrett Patterson would be my pick that sh- probably should have been in there somewhere. Yeah. Jarrett Patterson, thousand yards a season. And this year he did it in six games. How he goes undrafted just shows you why mocks are dumb as hell. Don't let him go undrafted. Don't do it. Okay. Uh, he did allude to, the fact they don't really have a guy that goes between the tackles. I mean, they got Peyton Barber. I know Bradley loves Peyton Barber. He thinks Peyton Barber can be a top seven oh RB God. on any given <laughs> don't season. Don't you put words in my mouth. And that's a given because it's James Robinson comp, and we know he was seven last year. Don't you um, put words in my mouth. But it's fantastic. And on top of that, Chase Young vouches for him. So he's got, a, he's got a real voice not only as a vocal leader on the team, but in the coaching staff's ear that's going to tell them, hey, man, give this guy a shot. So if he does show up and produce like we think he will, I mean, he's a fantastic running back. When I watch his tape, because I love tape, and I watch everybody's tape, most of it's mind-numbing. This guy's patience is like Le'Veon Bell style, and his strength is like Marshawn Lynch, and his speed is like a snail. So it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> um, but he played at Buffalo, and he's a, if you're going to play at a Mac school, you got to dominate as far as – uh, the kid out of, that got drafted by Miami, I think you alluded to it, man. This guy could straight up win the job. Will he? No. But could he? Yeah. All right. So I took Larry Roundtree for the Chargers in the end of the four. What am I, 409? Guy's yeah. 5'10", 210 pounds. Um, we thought it was going to be Joshua Kelly. Britt and I were both page on page. I mean, we did we did a trade where I didn't even like the trade. Even this year, I want to I want to go back now a year later and trade for Brian Edwards. And Joshua Kelly, I think that they are solid players. But Joshua Kelly got like 20 attempts, 20, 20 attempts a game through like the first four weeks. And then it was too much for him, and he fell off. And so what's the other guy there? They got Joshua Kelly. They got Eckler. They got one Justin other guy. Jackson. Justin Jackson. Might be on the outside looking in because Larry Roundtree could go win this. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of draft capital. He doesn't have a lot of success in college. He's got the requisite size, and we know that the Chargers need somebody to ground and pound. Uh, so I took him at 409 uh, for the guys that are undrafted. And there are a few of them. There are two. I want to highlight one real quick is Seth Williams who got drafted by Denver that uh, there are multiple people there that could be on the out, including Cortland Sutton. I think he's a Cortland Sutton type. If you cut his targets in half and keep his receptions, because half of his targets were uncatchable. He's fantastic. Uh, I think he's going to get more of the same at Denver because I think most of them are going to be uncatchable, but hell maybe Teddy wins that job. And he has a nice year. Um, but the guy I'm going to allude to, or the guy I'm going to highlight here, uh, because it's Javian Hawkins was the steal, is Jamar Jefferson for the Detroit Lions. We, we waved on Johnson, who is not a dog. We want dogs out there in Detroit. We want people that belong on the field, that feel like the people in front of them don't belong on the field. We want people on the bench chirping, dying, chopping at the bit to get in. Jamar Jefferson tested like an ass. He did. What the fuck, man? He went... He, would he go undrafted? No, it's the seventh yep, round, seven, whatever. Like Two picks from undrafted. Fuck, man. Go get it. And we got the guy out of Oregon State that we were saying could be the RB4 to RB6 pre-draft, pre-pro days. The guy tested like an asshole, but now you're in the pros. 
He goes to Detroit. There's a real opportunity. DeAndre Swift can't get every touch. Um, and there's a chance that we burn DeAndre Swift out. So when we're looking at handcuffs, Jamar Jefferson's a nice handcuff. He's just soured. He's, he's my new Joshua Kelly. My, my problem is he has no draft capital, and he's got no clear path to touches. And that's why him and Seth Williams, the guy that are un, undrafted, straight up undrafted. There's a few more. There's a couple guys in Cincinnati that I want to look at. There's more in Jackson, who also went to Denver. There's a lot of guys that went undrafted that surprised me. But the two guys that I think I 100% went undrafted are Seth Williams and Jamar Jefferson. After, you guys already smashed it. I mean, I'm proud of the pot. Jarrett Patterson should have been drafted. The kid that got – I can't even pronounce his name – that got drafted by Miami – Jared um, Dokes, Jared like Oaks, but Dokes. Dukes. Absolutely. We look at Ahmed and Gaskin, and I think Gaskin's better than advertised. Um, yeah, dude, there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity. When you're at the end of the fourth round in a rookie draft, this is what you're looking to do. This is what you're looking to do. Get somebody that's crazy talented in a shitty situation because talent doesn't change, but situations do. Or get somebody that's a running back that one injury, one twisted ankle, or one hell of a practice can just jump them in the depth chart. I mean, here's the deal, right? Like you shouldn't theoretically have a lot of third and fourths in your rookie drafts. Now you should be more comfortable having those picks because you're listening to this podcast. So we're going to kind of give you a, a how to what's that. What's that one booklet there? The uh, dummies guide to it's like, yeah. Anything. Dummies guide to whatever. We're going to give you a dummies guide to nailing your third and fourth round rookie picks, but those are great picks to throw trades over the top right so really quickly let me round out the fourth the fourth round so kellen mond was the first pick in the fourth then khalil herbert tommy tremble out of carolina with 403 ian book went 404 which doesn't deserve to be drafted but that's okay i took javian hawkins garrett took Ramondre stevenson which is a good pick he has a potential role there to share carries with damian or uh, yeah damian harris not someone I'm currently too thrilled about, but hey, he's got the size, and it's you. You, re- you never really know with the New England, the New England Patriot running backs. Bradley took shy. Uh, Maddie took a tight end that must have been auto drafted because I've never seen his name before. I'm not even sure he actually got drafted in the NFL. Uh, Berkey took Larry Roundtree, and FF Mike took Hunter Long, which is personally my tight end three. He's someone that I think has a role on Miami moving forward. If they let Mike Kosecki move on, he's a really good pass catching back and I or pass catching tight end. And I think he, he could, there is a reality in which he could be viable for the fantasy in the future. Uh, uh, I wanted to touch on these last two picks because I think they're really underrated. Austin Watkins is a player that's not catching much, much steam and he's not going to catch a lot because I believe he went undrafted, but he is the, I believe, cousin to Sammy Watkins, and he is a, a similar athlete. He had a pretty good college career, and he finds himself in San Francisco. There's a lot of talent up ahead, but we know Debo is not the mere image of health, and we know Kittle has been banged up quite a bit. That Kendrick Bourne is, now, is no longer on the team, so that wide receiver three, wide receiver four position is still relatively open, if Austin Watkins can make the team, he's someone I may be stashing on my, on my taxi squads because it was it Kendrick, was it Kendrick Bourne or one of the other wide receivers had that like 
eight catch, 150 yards game. So like, is Richie James. Richie the James. The only wide receiver on, Rick the, James. on the team at that point. That's why Kyle Shanahan so highly t- – Jeff Wilson, you know his name? You fucking do now. Richie James, you know his name? You play DFS, you fucking do now. Kyle Shanahan's magical, dude. He really is. He's I don't want anything of that. And then Anthony Schwartz, Bradley – I'm going to let you talk about your brownies and why Schwartz may be a little upside there, but he was productive as a freshman and he is a he is a Olympic level sprinter. So Bradley is, what is Anthony Schwartz role in that offense moving forward? Next I mean, he's going to obviously going to be the field stretcher, but I think he, they're going to design some stuff for him, right? This dude ran a four two nine forty at his pro day Four, you heard me right. That's a sub four three forty. Now you add time and blah blah blah. Four point two nine is fucking fast. That's incredible. The same leniency that we want to give Seth Williams, and to say that Seth Williams is good because well, half of his targets were uncatchable, and those half the other half he caught. Guess who the quarterback was that was throwing to Anthony Schwartz? get the fuck out of here no it was Bo Nix right so you see you get the same thing out of him he's not a a guy who's gonna gonna wow you with his route running or anything like that but he's got a role that the Cleveland Browns need right so Donovan Peoples-Jones is a is a as a quick fast guy but he's huge I mean this guy's huge right and then you got Jarvis and Odell who have their roles Odell coming back from injury they don't have that actual field stretcher and you could see you saw Baker hit Donovan Peoples-Jones a few times last year on the deep ball so I think there's a chance uh, that Anthony Schwartz ends up kind of taking that role uh, that we saw Donovan Peoples-Jones do last year. And that that runs out the mock, rounds out the mock, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I think this is probably going to cap the rookie on the rises in-depth NFL draft coverage as a whole. I think now we're going to kind of go into more strategy and theory and kind of rankings and player-specific analysis uh, we have now officially obligated or met our obligations to the draft's coverage. So we are going to transition to a bit more specific emphasis on things. But gentlemen, thank you. This was fun. This was very it's, fun. It's always fun. Always I, I fun. still think sweet tarts are a giant hoax perpetuated by the government but i will continue to move on no matter what uh let's go ahead and close this out Burke. yeah man i'm having a fantastic time i'm loving rookie on the rise i cannot wait into to get into the more strategy aspects of this it really ties into the locker room which i have totally fallen asleep on because i lost my partner in crime uh but you can find me on twitter at eric burkholder six uh, and I, I highly suggest you follow the other two members, man. Like if you talk to me directly, I'm fantastic on Twitter. My presence is lacking just like sweet tarts versus raisinette. So uh, I had a hell of a time and I cannot wait to get back on this bitch and, and, and try and shed some knowledge and help people out in their rookie drafts. At FF bourbon dude on Twitter. Uh, I, I'm going to do the same thing, but a little bit of a shout out. Make sure you go in and rate and review the podcast. 
rate and review table for two rate and review the fantasy affair fantasy football podcast uh you know we're putting out a lot of great content articles and pods and we want your feedback so go take a look it helps us get better at giving you better advice so uh again at ff bourbon dude on twitter Ultimately, this is a an experience and this is a consumer product. So if you think that we could be doing something better, you as a consumer have the right and obligation to tell us so we can give you a better product. And I don't care if you're mean about it. I don't care if you're very judgmental. But if you have something to say that you think we can do better on, I want to hear it because I'm not okay with being mediocre and run of the mill. We're going to make this thing fucking great. Which, by the way, Maddie Daddy, thank you so much once again. Thank you. Congratulations on your Scott Fishbowl invite. Big ups to the entire Fantasy Affair company, or, uh, company and the entire pro- all, everyone that puts into it. You can find me on Twitter at VFFSandman. You can find my ri- Devi writings on breakoutfinder.com, my dynasty and redraft rankings on FFAffair.com. You can find the Devi analytic breakdown video portions with Brandon Lejeune and Corey P who do more of the film on YouTube under Debbie deep dive. It's late. We have a conversation to talk about of what is and what is not closed and what the fuck sweet tarts are and why they suck. So we're going to close it out here. Friends. This is the podcast. I appreciate your time. Thank you for listening. And we're out. Do you, do you normally do this naked? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. I think the motion was wrong. But. Yeah, I usually, yeah. I, I normally it's it's yeah. this. Though, right? I mean, you gotta you gotta cup the balls, cup the balls. That has to go in the outtakes, Berkey. <laughs> usually, I uh, usually I you know I start off fully clothed, and then when I'm done with the when I'm done with the podcast, I'm pretty much just down to my socks. <laughs> All right, let's fucking do this. Uh, we ain't going to die. It's going to be okay. Uh, I think it's close. I, I think it's close. Double Hubbard was good for 2019. He fucking <laughs> sucked. I'm in a rock and a hard place right now because talent-wise, I still he's still my, my RB1. Uh, Three minutes away from just stepping into the lake and never getting out of it. I think it's close. I, I think it's close. He could be in Detroit, too. I don't know. I'm talking up my ass. If you, I, if you I, don't think that Dwayne Eskridge shits out David Moore for breakfast, I, <laughs> I don't want to talk to you about this anymore. Like, um, Whatever. Shake your head. I, I just said, everything's set up for him to succeed, and he's older. Um, I think it's close. I, I think it's close. Are they going to be valuable players on your fantasy team? Or are they just going to kind of only give you the bare minimum when it comes to anything else? See, I segways that shit. I know what I'm doing. Quite frankly, left my jaw dropped to the floor. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I agree. I, I don't have anything to add that is notable. What I had too many chicks, on? ducks, and bunnies. That's oh the God. name of the show, Chicks, Ducks, and Bunnies. Do you know <laughs> what's going on with that, Brent? I'm going to throw you off the rails. 
uh, apparently for Easter, they come out with these sweet tarts that are chicks, ducks, and bunnies. And it's a limited time. That's, that's the look on your face is how I felt. But he gets like 13 bags of them. They make it through like six months of the year. So he has had too much sugar. And he is cracking himself up <laughs> for no reason. Fu- he's stuffing his he's face like a kid's first he's Halloween. Yeah, oh, yeah. my God. Right. Holy shit. I don't even yeah, know what sweet stuff. tarts are off the top of my head. Wow. What? What? I like good candy. I'm sorry. Pod. Next pod, we're going to do our, our 1 through 12 of Halloween candy. And <laughs> you don't get a pick. You're just going to sit there and listen. <laughs> Why would you not? You're shaking. You're full of shit. There is no way that you can sit there and tell me in a straight face that you what think that Tyrod Taylor, yeah, Tyron can Taylor take is that a winning team. quarterback. As far as I know, I don't think Dr. Lungpopper. How looks- long ago was 2017? That's not relevant. Bradley One, stick with I had the too many chicks, on. ducks, and bunnies. If Kyle Trask is the guy that takes over for Tom Brady, Tampa Bay is fucking up. Who I had too many chicks, on? ducks, and bunnies. Of ducks and bunnies and whatever Chicks, the fuck. Chicks, ducks, and bunnies. <laughs> fucking get it right. What's your favorite candy? He'd be like, I thought we were talking Trey Sermon. I'd be like, Trey who? I'm talking <laughs> peanut M&M's. <laughs> Reese's Pieces versus Reese's Cup. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something, but I forgot because Berkey's out here being a jealous girlfriend. Um, yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I agree. I, I don't have anything to add that is notable.